Hey everyone here, welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. You know the score by now. I'm sure you're familiar with the format. It's myself and normally a guest going through a Metallica song. We're doing this in alphabetical order. And today you join us at To Live Is To Die. This is a classic instrumental, goes without saying. And just before we jump into that and the guest... Please follow the show at MetallicaPod. One of the things that I love to do at the end of every episode is reach out to you guys on Twitter. And there's been some awesome reviews. There's a real bounty that we're going to get into uh, towards the end of the day's chat there. Uh, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. If you want to come on the show, if you want to give some feedback, some correspondence, some whatever, you can get in touch with me there as well as through the Twitter. We've got lots of cool stuff coming on the channel as always. But uh, yeah, that'll be put on the Patreon first. So um, today is like any other episode of this show. It is myself and a stranger. And we're going to talk about Metallica for 20 minutes to half an hour. Uh, Brad from Indiana, how's it going, sir? It's going really good. Thank you. And uh, you, Metallica, Brad, how did that start for you? What was the first taste of the band? Um, I believe it was the Black Album. My brother, he's older than I was, had that album just laying around, and I picked it up and put it in the CD player and started playing it. Was it was it Love at First Riff? Or? Yeah, I think it was. It was uh, The Unforgiven, actually, was the first song I heard. I mean that is a, I mean that's such an epic sprawling song, isn't it? Like if that's the yes. first taste of that, like you know, wow. Yeah, that's a such a great song. The the solo is such a, a memorable solo. And going through then, like, were you were you digging back? Were you looking forward? Like, were you just devouring everything you can get your hands on Metallica wise at that time? Or? Yeah, I went straight to Walmart and bought all their CDs that they had there. Um, so it started out with the black album and then just went backwards through that the puppets and then injustice all those and of course we're talking about justice today to live is to die the penultimate track from that exceptional record like this song stands out a bit obviously because it is predominantly an instrumental sonically in general brad what do you make of justice a lot of people are divided on its claustrophobic aesthetic yeah, it's very heavy. Uh, definitely missing the bass from Newstead's point of view. Um, but I like it's a it's a basket full of riffs. There's so many <laughs> good riffs in there that even try to play as a beginner. Oh my god, it's easy. Their most difficult album from top to bottom. Like, yeah, I agree. It's just it's so much going on, and I mean, this song's a prime example of just, you know, their technique on display, the way they can can galvanize what on paper are quite basic riffs, but they stretch them across, you know, this whole tableau on this track, almost 10 minutes here of To Live Is To Die. But of course, contextually, this song is a tribute to Cliff, and it's just so tragic how things fall. And I was just thinking like it's one of the things that really makes the band kind of elevates their stature in a certain way kind of you know grimly and i don't i don't mean this in a in a positive light or anything like that but it just adds to the mythology isn't it that a founding member and someone who is even when he was alive seems so spiritual and ethereal was was taken in this tragic accident yeah the the album seems like they're so angry and then this song kind of like lets out their emotions 
yeah it's what it seems like to me yeah yeah definitely i mean there's the whole all of justice probably the sound mentioned before you know a byproduct of that is this idea of catharsis of of them mourning through it and then digging inwardly and you know sonically um, we get these riffs that are so skewered and type signatures that are so complex and and enigmatic but um let's get into the track then and I love the fading. You know, it really feels like we're on the end of something here, that something's concluding. And the swooning of these acoustic melodies, the doom, 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 like it's very emotional and, and resonant. It feels like something you'd hear at a funeral. It's this elegiac dirge that's uh, both quite courtly and medieval and then you know, very modern and essential. It's kind of that classic Metallica classical intro, isn't it, from the band? Yeah, it's like they only know how to mourn through their instruments mm. at that time. Yeah, it's spellbinding, really. And I love when it comes back at the end. I think it may be my all-time favorite kind of classical Metallica, uh, you know, um, affectation there that they adopt. Like, it just has this... Um, quite haunting power that you know you're just you're just so aware that this is such a cliff tribute in so many ways and you can't get his you know for me personally I just find myself dwelling on him throughout kind of like with Orion as well certain sections kind of posthumously became adopted with that but the crushing reality of life uh, comes bearing down on proceedings with that pneumatic drill of just chugging segueing in that classic justice sound yeah, heavy guitar, heavy uh, drums, and then the classical kind of intertwining in, in mm. through that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a potent mixture. Getting into that huge swaggery riff, you know, the boom, boom, like it has such a, such a stomp to it, uh, you know, such a, such a, such a rhythm inside. And what do you, what do you make it? It's a bit similar to Cthulhu in the sense that a lot of the scaffolding of the song is based around the beating heart of just a giant slab of Hetfield. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely repeats heavy riffs, uh, and then, then the solos kind of, uh, thread it all together. The, I mean, the the riff gets quicker and quicker. The dun da da dun da da dun da da dun da da dun bum bum bum, and the way it stops. Like, Lars is getting quicker, but the riff itself is putting its foot off the pedal. And I love the way they play with the timing there, and just. Yeah, it changes paces a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it's like, that's what I love. Boom, ba, 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 ba. Like, that kind of feels like what they were aiming for with Load. Like, it does have that sort of Texan kind of, you know, strut to it that I really, really appreciate. It cocooned within this, um, you know, glorious, frenodic track that, that, that is mourning uh, the passing of Cliff and eulogizing him and, you know, adopting and taking light from a lot of his teachings and a lot of what he went for in terms of the compositions. Um, we get Kirk, like, as all these instrumentals do, like Orion and, um, you know, like Cthulhu, we get Kirk building ideas on top and Suicide Redemption, stuff like that, in the second go around. I love the octaves out there. Wow, 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 wow. Like, I think he does great work there yeah he uh definitely one of his best in my opinion i really really like the movement 
and uh, you know just the character of it and the way again it builds up with the riff and it, you know it is repetitive as you say but the quality you don't really mind like it doesn't kind of great on you it's not it's one of those riffs you can kind of hear endlessly like you know like i can't get enough of it like i can't get enough of the intro getting into yeah. the solo and i love the lick that opens the solo and then returns later in the song the wow now 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 like they just they, they fit so well hetfield's riff and kurt's guitar there yeah um i like the tone down in the center of the song where with the violin mm-hmm. that sounds really good right in the center um Whatever I'm not sure what James is trying to say there, but it, it really makes the song complete with that there. Yeah, yeah, it does. That is kind of the the real kind of tributary of the of the tribute, as it were, the stream. Uh, you know, the heartfelt emotional outpouring. Yeah, the the heavy the heavy stops, and it's like now it's it's over. His life is over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is how we're going to deal with it. Yeah, and you know, there's there's many ways to deal with that. There is the kind of uh, you know the the realist, the coming to terms approach that we hear from from the spoken word poem, and then also the more anguished, uh, unbridled, primitive reaction that you can have to grief that we see in Kirk Solo, which I'm pretty sure I read online, um, I think it was in like Guitar Play magazine in 1989 or something, Uh, in fact here's the quote, yeah, so Kirk was talking about the To Live Is To Die solo, quote, that's a very straight blues box, it was the very last solo I did in the album, it was recorded at 5 in the morning just a few hours before we had to leave for the Monsters of Rock tour, I just played off the top of my head, on the other solos I carefully figured out the most appropriate scales for the chord changes, but you know, there is a lot of structure for me here, I think what everyone remembers Brad is the way the solo begins with that giant bend and the way he wrings the neck is just drenched with this kill switch it's pretty unforgettable yeah he's got a lot of uh, hammers which mm. i like that and pulls mm-hmm. on the strings yeah yeah and there's there is the blues boxing thing that you saying before the and it's you know it is a very singing solo actually and i do really enjoy it and when you see him play actually he is kind of chained into that 12 14 but um you know he he does it he does it better in that sense and he just kind of creates something that's a little more captivating that perhaps that quote would suggest i love the switch into the tapping the the way that connects with the chords again they just feel very intertwined anticipating each other's needs getting into the um spoken word poem section you mentioned before and i mean you can't help but get a little teary-eyed when you listen right i mean it's 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 a wonderful kind of pay on to this guy yeah it sounds uh i i would attribute to it sounds exactly what it would feel like to lose a best friend yeah (laughs) it is yeah it is that sound you're right i mean i can't imagine yeah what that would feel like but 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 you're right. I think I, I think I said this before on the show before, um, prior. I'm sure I have. I remember John Mayer being interviewed about uh, Jimmy Hendrix in Little Wing, and he was just you know saying how incredible it is, and you know it's very short. And he was like, it's like it's like your grandfather coming back to life for two minutes or something like that. It's like the sound of that, and it's like yeah, to live is to die is the sound of losing a best friend, and it and it is haunting for that reason. Um, James actually said in Mojo magazine December uh, 2008 that the song is quote an homage to Cliff without going over the top. It's about realizing how grateful we were to have that time with him and there's loads of cliff isms in the song you know the harmonizing guitars towards the end and the way they build hark back to stuff they've been demonstrating you know since the early days and you know maybe perfected uh, on, on orion but again i love this interplay what would you make of the harmony lines as we go towards the end of the song yeah it sounds like they're all singing together 
mm. with their instruments, yeah. harmonizing all of the instruments together, kind of mourning as one. It does. It do- yeah, yeah, that's deep, and it, and, it, and it really, really does, actually. And um, I love the sound of the guitar, the clean arpeggio. It almost sounds like through some sort of FM radio or some gramophone or something. It feels really ancient, as ancient and as lived in as the introductory... Um, overlapping layers the sinews of the classical guitar which i just scorch into my mind i just think that the the, it's kind of hard to put into words really but the certain slides there are so mischievous that i find endlessly uh captivating but but yeah and then we have another solo james does a solo like what do you prefer kirk or james's solo in the song um i like james yeah he's uh he's a little bit slower on his solo a little bit more heartfelt, right? In yeah, it's way. like his best friend is right there in front yeah. of him. Yeah, in a ca- in a coffin. Wow, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I guess it is. I guess you're right. It is. Yeah. Um, and I think Orion was played at Cliff's funeral. As in, I think they played like a recording of it. I don't think obviously they didn't play it. But um, and again, you know, a lot of Cliff all over this song. I'm not entirely sure what parts of it he had written already. I'm, I'm pretty certain that a lot of the music was written prior, maybe the majority of it. But as we as we get back after these melody lines, which again are, you know, really kind of adventurous and playful, and I really admire them uh, through Kirk and, Kirk and James there, we get back into the song with the riffs, and the is back as well. And then the song closing with the kind of just endless bum 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 kind of idea and then getting into the classical mode at the end i don't know if you noticed yourself but like i love the way that the song ends with the classical piece and then goes straight into dyer's eve from that which obviously dyer's eve is just uh you're in it like yeah it abruptly stops yeah uh i, I really love the end of it without uh any drums it's just the guitar yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it kind of pronounces those um those uh part of the song it pronounces the whatever you call it yeah yeah no no it does put it on a pedestal it does offer you time for reflection as well as the intro does and it is just a bit of a a breathtaking piece of music i think from top to bottom and in different hands the spoken word piece could perhaps become you know slightly cheesy dare to say but i think here it works really well and it's not like them singing a song where the chorus is about Cliff and it's his life. And you know, they did that with Murder One with Lamy and stuff like that. But this is more metallic, isn't it? This is more tasteful, I suppose. Yeah, they're talking with their instruments. They yeah. they don't need words in this sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, it's just... Where do you rank it overall in terms of Metallica instrumentals? Uh, this is my favourite song. Your favourite song ever by Metallica? Uh, yeah, of, of any of any band of any band yeah Damn. this is this is the top of it okay top of my list okay that's that, i like that i like that definitiveness yeah <laughs> um so um i mean any any final thoughts on uh, to live is to die i just think it's a great song and if you could listen to the whole thing all the way through uh, almost 10 minutes long then you would never forget it i think and just to quote what goes on to the song um from james uh, by cliff i think cliff added to this uh, I think it was a poem by Paul Gerhardt, who was a writer from the 17th century. But the um, the quote is, When a man lies, he murders some part of the world. These are the pale deaths which men miscall their lives. All this I cannot bear to witness any longer. Cannot the kingdom of salvation take me home? Uh, thoughts on those words, Brad? It's pretty deep. Yeah, <laughs> very deep. 
is, is that the fort just pretty deep yeah it's it's pretty <laughs> deep um the whole poem is kind of strange i think he took out some of it and kind of added added his own so yeah. this is kind of his own version of that poem maybe that's how he saw uh kind of the world at his time or his life mm. um yeah, it's um, Paul Gerhardt. Apparently, it was popularized. He's a German poet in the nineteen eighty one film Excalibur, and uh, yeah, sort of the like like the song itself, which takes heed from Cliff. Cliff was taking heed from uh, Paul and uh, putting it in his own words. And um, to live is to die is also obviously the name of a um, biography of Cliff Burton that was written by a good friend of the show Joel McIver, though um, we did and Justice for All the Truth about Metallica uh, and that was a really really fun chat to go through so um yeah as we always do guys we reach out to you on twitter uh, at metallica pod deep purple podcast says maybe the greatest metallica instrumental a great tribute to the late cliff burton phil says the last truly great metallica instrumental suicide and redemption was a valiant effort but ended up sounding more like a real good jam session than a fully realized song i also love the brief appearance the middle portion of the song makes right after jason's bass solo on the seattle 89 video very cool moment Ian says, can't pick a best between Orion and this one. Great composition, skillfully played. The right amount of technicality and emotion. Ralph says, Metallica plays tribute to Cliff in this beautiful but spectacularly sad dirge-like tune. This unfortunately was also the major rages on the four-string motherfucker. Last writing credit on a Metallica song. Love the classical sounding guitars in the fade in and out. Great solo for Kirk and James here. Slow, sludgy feel makes the song heavy as hell. I think the spoken word part is mostly from a poet writer from the 17th century called Paul Gerhardt. But Cliff penned the last line. Fantastic instrumental, but still only their third best behind Orion and Cthulhu. Uh, Alucard says a very badass yet emotional song Connor says always thought the clean guitar section the heart of the song is one of James's most brilliant and beautiful moments the most atmospherical moment on this album and uh, Marcus says second best instrumental behind Orion the slow bridge is the best part of the song and finally uh, Master Pun says very melancholic heavy opening riff and that clean interlude always hits me hard the only gripe is ha- the only gripe I have is when it was first performed James didn't play his fucking solo now um, it has been performed live Brad as Master Pun just said have you watched the live performance on the uh, anniversary Shows. yes i did watch that um i didn't like it i thought it was played too fast mm. and they skipped some parts in yeah. my opinion the especially the beginning the beginning annoyed me like i knew they would skip it i knew it'd be a tape i understand that but i would have loved to have seen that played yeah the just just the drum at the beginning and and then the dead guitar sound i didn't like that i i, I it definitely played it too fast i think yeah as they mostly do and like a song like that as well is just it's all about keeping that tempo straight and just having that you know that prowling sense to it and yeah you're right it is a little fast it is fucking cool though to see it play live that one time i love that they did it and everyone in the crowd is going crazy and kirk doesn't really quite handle the solo as he should but again this is the first time i've ever played it i understand that it is a bit annoying though that kirk takes james's solo i don't really understand why that happens I'm I'm kind of glad that it only they only played it one time. <laughs> yeah, I mean I wouldn't mind seeing it back. Maybe like you know, S and M too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I could see that. I could see them maybe doing that. Maybe, but uh, I hope so at least. But yeah, guys, uh, if you weren't aware, they do play it at the anniversary show, and um, I think it was last year. I was uh, the copy I was watching this morning was from last year. So if you remember, most of the 
stuff from the anniversary shows has this really obnoxious watermark on it. I think it's like Father Mucker or something, and it's you know it's blazoned on the screen like a sort of bumper sticker. But um, yeah, Metallica seem to have did all their pro shot footage at the time, and they're slowly releasing it. I don't know if there's any more out, but there is like a pro camera setup HD of them doing To Live Is To Die uh, in San Francisco for the 30th anniversary shows 2011 with Skinny James there and um, yeah it is too fast but still it's really fucking cool to see it especially the middle sections when it breaks down and the harmonies and they uh, they get James's voiceover tape play don't they for the poem yeah that's that's pretty cool because it's a, a little deeper yeah uh, younger James voice yeah, definitely, and he's kind of rocking out beneath it, and he just kind of lost in it. And he, he especially reminds me, you know, of the footage of them whenever they're with Lou Reed, like and James just in his element, just riffing out, and you know, not really having to be laboured by the microphone in that way. But um, yeah, guys, that is to live is to die. Um, your opinions on the songs, please at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail dot com. Um, we'll end with a few quick fire questions, Brad. The, well, the first of which normally is what's your favourite song, but it is to live is to die, right? Yes, it is. What about favorite album by the band? Uh, Puppets. Okay. I, I mean, it, it's pretty much a faultless masterpiece, right? Yeah, Master of Puppets is a, a masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Even the thing that should not be, which, which we just covered on the show, which inevitably whenever we cover a song on the show, it just grows me more and more. But, um, yeah, even that, which I don't necessarily put on the even kill with all the rest of the tracks, still, I mean, just that, that set of eight songs is just like, any band would kill for that. Yeah, that definitely propelled them through heavy metal stardom. Yeah. What about favorite member of the band? Um, I like Kirk. Um, I'm a, a solo guy. I like solo guitar. Okay. And uh, what about seeing them live? Have you ever seen them live at all? Yeah, I've seen them twice. Uh, once in Indianapolis uh, with Godsmack. And then was once that, in uh, Chicago. The, was that the St. Anger tour, was that? No, that was uh, bef- right before St. Anger, okay. I believe. Um, and then once in Chicago, and that was during their Death Magnetic tour um, with Motorhead. Nice. I uh, didn't really care for that one. They played a lot of the newer songs off that album. I don't care for that album too much. Okay. Oh, you don't like Death Magnetic? Mm, not really, no. What, what's, what don't you like about it? It just doesn't sound like my Metallica that I grew up on. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah that was that um, the All State Arena. I can't remember. It was January '09, was it? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, there is a lot of Death Magnetic there, but still, creepy Death Ride the Lightning one. That's a nice free piece, but um. I, I guess, yeah, and they sped played their songs too. They played them too fast. They, they just, yeah, yeah, that creep just it's like they wanted to get more more songs in and get it over with. <laughs> yeah, Kinda. that was my feeling. And uh, finally, if you were to do a podcast like this about another band that you love, what's a band you'd want to cover? Oh, um, I dig Shine Down a lot. Mm. Shine Down, Godsmack. I like those. Okay, Shine, a Shine Down podcast. Yeah, I mean they're a very popular band, so. Yeah, they don't have very much backlog yet, but... No, the the only song is like, Tell my mother... That's the only one I know, <laughs> but that's a pretty good song. Yeah, they're a great, great live band. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess finally, Brad, like, is there anything you'd like to promote yourself? Nope. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. That happens all the time. Like sometimes people have like podcasts or whatever or Twitter, but a lot of people are like, no, I'm just just regular dude or what? Not even regular, but you know, I haven't got another podcast or whatever. And uh, I understand that, but I do. So follow us at Metallica Pod, uh, at Metallica, all the stuff that I always shout out. Uh, I've been on a few podcasts lately as well, so definitely go check those out as well. I was recently on Ridiculous Rock Reviews. We did 1984, um, with, uh, uh, and that was a really, really fun chat with Aaron. And um, also was on Live on Four Legs, where I got a chance to speak to uh, John and Randy. That's a Pearl Jam podcast where I went through, uh, when I saw, the only time I've seen Pearl Jam, 2006 Reading on the uh, Avocado Tour. And I came across, a li- like, it was really fun. I came across a little grouchy. I think I sort of critiqued Pearl Jam a little too much for their taste, even though I really like Pearl Jam. So definitely go check that out. That was a really fun one. But um, Brad, thanks for your time, man. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.